Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ndaw Mandela. Please enjoy Mandela on Leadership. We will be talking to global leaders across the world, talking about the moral leadership and what inspires and keeps them going to become the leaders that they are today. We will be talking to leaders in the corporate sector, entrepreneurs, artists, people from all different walks of life, and they'll be sharing with us what is their inspiration to becoming great leaders of today. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Ndaba Mandela. And of course, you know that we have conversations with the most beautiful, amazing minds, thought leaders of today. And today we are joined with a beautiful sister of mine who is an author doing amazing things. Her name is Ilyasa Shabazz. How are you, sister? I am fine, Brother Mandela. So <laughs> I am an author, but I really take a lot of pride in saying that I am a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice because I love my students tremendously. And I do believe in empowering and helping to develop as many young people as possible so they can step into their own uh, leadership. And so I'm, I'm most proud of that particular title. I am also the chairwoman of the Malcolm X and Dr. Betty Shabazz Memorial and Education Center, which we've just hired a new, a young dynamic team. And we've had such intergenerational discussions on mm. leadership. And I'm going to allow you to ask your questions. <laughs> you know, I had the honor of actually coming and speaking uh, to one of your classes where you, where you teach. And that was quite an amazing experience. Now, looking at, you know, South Africa, you know, the liberation movement with my grandfather and looking at the civil rights movement with your father, as well as your mother, uh, Dr. Betty Shabazz, what parallels do you think that you see between the struggles they went through and the struggles that the young kids fighting Black Lives Matter today are having to go through? Well, I think it's really great it is great because people are awake and people are recognizing that those in power have misused the power. And so now change has to happen and they're willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work that's necessary, just as your grandparents did and all of their comrades, just as many young people are doing today, that there were marches and protests here in this country and in America in 50 uh, states. There were marches, protests, and uh, demonstrations that supported our efforts in 18 countries abroad, including your country. And so it says that we are awake, we are live, we are thriving, and we're recognizing that the only way change is going to happen is when we get out there and do the work ourselves, that we are no longer sitting back and complaining and thinking that someone is coming to our rescue, but we realize that we have to do the work ourselves. My father said, if you stick a knife in my back nine inches and you pull it out six inches, the knife is still on my back. We have to pull the knife all the way out and address the wound that the blow has made. And so it's acknowledging the reason that we are in this predicament 
is not by nature, but it's man-made. And the only way it's going to change is by getting, uh, you know, as I said, people doing the work. Beautiful. Now, both of your parents were leaders. Most people, you know, are very much know the work of your father, Malcolm X, but they're not so familiar with uh, Dr. Betty Shabazz's work. How important is the involvement of women in the struggle of, of yesterday and today? Well, listen, when the most marginal communities are able to flourish and live outside the threat of police violence or violence of any kind, and have safe and adequate housing, education, healthcare, then we know everyone's needs are being met. And like my father explained, we understand that black power isn't exclusionary. Black power is rooted in the understanding that freedom is total for everyone, for every human being, and that no one can be left out because no one is free until all of us are free. And these are the kinds of things that um, I came to understand from my mother. My mother was just a young woman in her 20s when she saw her husband gunned down in front of her. When he was, you know, and a week prior to that, um, there was a bomb that was thrown into the nursery where their babies slept. My mother was only in her 20s and she had four babies and she was pregnant with twins. And so you have to ask, how are you able to not only overcome these challenges, these man-made challenges, but how are you able to go and raise six girls and provide everything that, that one could really desire and protect us and make sure that we learned about what the significant contributions that women made to the world, the significant contributions that Islam made to the world, and most importantly, the significant contributions that Africa, the continent, and its diaspora and descendants made to the world. So that we grew up with a very solid foundation and a healthy sense of ourselves, that we grew up loving ourselves um, and understanding that we are reflection of one another. And if I see you in need, and I, if I see injustice, around you, preventing uh, you to fully exercise your human rights, then I want to jump in and do whatever I can to help you because I see you as a reflection of me and vice versa. And so, you know, I'm just so grateful for uh, the model of who my mother was to me and um, to my sisters, my five sisters, and to our community. She was also a professor. She was the, also the director of cultural um, a, the cultural attache for uh, Mega Evers College. She did so many things and, and you know, she was just phenomenal. I, I could go on and on about different um, organizations that she founded to ensure that if young girls found themselves uh, pregnant, that it wouldn't interrupt their education. And so she created this Young Mothers Educational Development Program so that these young impregnated girls would not feel the shame, would not have their education interrupted, would, would still be able to deliver their babies. And then she took it a step further and she founded the uh, uh, Westchester Daycare Council so that when these young girls had their babies, that they could have a place where their babies were being properly taken care of 
um, at the Westchester Daycare Center and they were still continuing their education. So my mother was phenomenal. And when I wrote the book, Betty Before X for middle school girls, it was discovering um, self-love, discovering self-acceptance, discovering your place in, in, in not only in your community, in your neighborhood, but also in the world. And so I'm absolutely so grateful for my mother. And I have to say when your grandparents came to New York after your father was released from prison, your grandmother was on stage with my mother, but she didn't know who my mother was. And when they announced that Dr. Betty Shabazz, oh, it was really beautiful that your grandmother, Winnie Mandela, turned to my mother and they both hugged and they both cried. And oh my gosh, I don't think there were too many dry faces there because the difference was that her husband was imprisoned for fighting for um, for social justice for his people. And just imagining what, how she, you know, imprisoned, um, beaten, uh, forced to live a certain way when she didn't have to, she could have left, right? right? And, and so she was always, you know, and I had the honor of telling her that she was my true living hero, you know? Mm. And to see the two women embrace one another, that Betty's husband was assassinated and her husband was imprisoned, but at least she got a chance to, you know, to lay eyes on him. But it was such a connection of, and, and sisterhood, you know, that no matter where we are in the world, that we could under, we can understand one another and fight for our human rights. I must say, you know, watching the Who Killed Malcolm X documentary really touched me. And, you know, it truly showed the kind of character that your mother was, even under the immense pressure and her being bombed and her husband taken away from her and them jamming microphones in her face. You know, she still was so poised, filled with grace and elegance. And the way she answered the question was not with animosity, with anger, but was just with pure overstanding of what was happening, but kept calm, you know, because she had a children with her. I must say, Betty, Dr. Betty Shabazz is one of the most phenomenal women that I have ever, ever encountered. And I'm so blessed that you, I can call you my sister today. Now, sister, tell me, you have written a number of books. Why is it so important to you that you write books for young children and for, you know, middle school kids, like you said? You know, again, I was very fortunate that I grew up with so much love. My mother uh, made sure that she kept our father's legacy memory alive in our home. Uh, she talked about her husband. She talked about daddy. And so she didn't want us growing up to feel as though our father abandoned us because mm. it was very sudden. So she made sure that she continued to ensure that his presence was still there, that we knew daddy loved us, that we knew daddy did not leave us. We knew when daddy would be proud of something. We knew when daddy wouldn't approve of something. I write these books because it was important to my mother that his you know, legacy was appropriated. She safeguarded his image because the story that was told of Malcolm was not true. 
My mm. father was a compassionate young man filled with lots of love. Mm. And, and had he not been so compassionate and filled with such love like your grandfather, they would not have done the work. They were brilliant men on their own. And so mm. they could have left, they could have avoided uh, these injustices against uh, their fellow human beings, right? My father believed in the oneness of God and the oneness of man, the oneness of woman. Of woman. So we grew up understanding that, you know, if you believe in God or whatever you believe, that that we are, um, you know, believing in the fatherhood of God, and the and that we are all the children. And so if you are in South Africa or you are in China or you are from uh, Asia or from the Americas, wherever you are from in the world, that it's such an opportunity and such a beauty to learn uh, you know, from the differences that we have. But most importantly, that you understand the importance of self-love and that you understand the importance of history, heritage, identity. When we look at the monuments, that are continually um, uncovered um, on the continent, for example, um, we see that they date back almost a million years, hundreds of mm. years, thousands of years. And to see that the culture was this universal spirit, you know, God and intellect, scholarship, wisdom. And so these things are important and it's important for especially children to have that opportunity to know the truth in their history, the truth in their heritage, and that they are allowed an opportunity, you know, again, to know that, that they're worthy of love, worthy of a quality education, worthy to participate in mainstream, um, Amer mainstream society, if they so choose. You wrote memoirs called Growing Up X. What are some of the things people seem surprised to find out about your childhood when they first encounter or when they're reading your memoirs? So I have five sisters. So my books are, I think they're pretty good. You know, I, I have gotten some awards, right? I have a, a good personality. You know, I, I think I have a good sense of humor. Um, and that's because I grew up with five sisters. And I think when you grow up with so many siblings, it teaches you, especially, well, it teaches you how to be a good friend. And um, growing up X is about is a story about um, one a daughter of Malcolm X and Dr. Shabazz, the values that were important to them, and also um, a classical story of American life during that time. You know, mm -hmm. and many people are surprised because again, they were misinformed on who Malcolm was. And to find that my story was so identifiable and 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 also funny and also inspiring. You know, because, for example, there are these books that were called um, See, See Jane Run, Dick and Jane Have a Dog Named Spot, See Spot Run, you know. But before we learned those kinds of stories, we learned the stories of, you know, the African um, fables and tales and, and history. And so you get to learn a little bit about that as well. And, you know, it's it's you know, it actually won some good awards. Um, and it's just been released on Audible with the autobiography of Malcolm X, which is their number one, uh, it debuted as their number one bestseller in less than a week. Now, I can imagine growing up with five sisters 
what that must have been like. Of course, there's arguing and there's fighting. Um, what is the best thing, like the one thing that you really take away from your relationship with your sisters? Oh my gosh. But like I said, you know, having my sisters, we're all so close in age. We all shared, you know, these just wonderful experience um, going to our grandmothers, going to church. They used to call me the church girl because when grandma would say, who wants to go back to church? I'd be like, I want to go, I want to go. And they're like, what are you kidding me? You want to go back to church? We were just there like four or five hours, you know, and I just really enjoyed it. But, you know, having that camaraderie of, of um, sisterhood and, and knowing what it looks like, um, having an opportunity to navigate through very personalities and um and maintain you know respect love friendship security and and all of those great things um we had you know an amazing childhood that is that is beautiful thing now how do you deal with people placing expectations on you based on their perceptions of your father or your parents well you know it's really interesting sometimes when i'm when i do interviews they ask me these like questions and I'm like, what does that have to do with the price of tea? Like usually people who think Malcolm had all of the answers would think that Ilyasa might also have all the answers to any given subject. My father read thousands upon thousands of books. He was an avid reader. He was always reading. And so the expectations are usually based on them being perhaps misinformed of who, on who Malcolm was, right? Because look, people first learned of Malcolm X when he was in his 20s, his late 20s. And it was during a time when young people were marching, protesting, demonstrating. And my father came along and said, hey, we demand our human rights as your brother. We demand our human rights ordained by God. And so Malcolm introduced a human rights agenda to the civil rights movement for the first time. And he traveled in this country and he traveled abroad to the continent and he was searching for solutions. And he came across the organization of African unity. He met several heads of state. They gave him a platform. He formed the Organization of Afro-American Unity, and that was a means for finding solutions to uh, this brutality that persists. Amazing. Now, sister, one of your other titles is an activist. Would you describe yourself as an activist? I would not. <laughs> no. Not. You know, I, what is an activist, right? Is an activist is someone who is responsible. Right. It's a human being that is responsible for making sure that um, their family, their communities and people are um, being properly uh, treated. Right. Yes. They're making sure that their uh, human rights aren't being violated. Right. Yes. 
And so I definitely think in my books that you're an activist. I mean, looking at the work that you do, you know, you writing books, communicating to young people, reinforcing a, a good image of young black people, not just young blacks, you know, understanding that everybody deserves love, everybody deserves education, everybody needs to be treated fairly under the under the law and, and be seen as equal citizens. So for me, sister, you you're hundred and 1,000% in activists. And my question is, you know, sometimes the work may seem insurmountable. What, what is it inside of you that keeps you, you know, keeps you going? Self-love, right? Because if I love me, then I love you. If I know that these things are happening, I have to, you know, do all that I can to help change it. And so it's, it's compassion and it's also passion. 100%. I love that you said compassion because that's the one thing I believe my, my grandfather taught me. You know, it's not just about passion, but having the love for others as you would be having the same love for yourself. That's so right. thank you for reminding our listeners about the importance of compassion. And the last question before we depart, there are so many young people out there who are aspiring to become activists to become a voice for those who don't have a voice for the marginalized in the community. What advice and, and words of encouragement do you have for the young people out there who are, who are the leaders of tomorrow? Well, you know, I would say that there are just, again, so many young people have been politicized through direct actions and protests that have taken place nearly every day this summer. And now it's important that we retain this growing base of young activists and organizers by engaging them. We can engage them at places like the Shabazz Center. We can engage them at places like uh, the King Center. Um, we are building out our own Freedom School curriculum to continue action-driven dialogue, again, with intergenerational le uh, leadership. And it is a living memorial uh, that's dedicated to power, possibility, and sovereignty. And again, that uh, Black power is not exclusionary. Black power means that it is total, right? Yeah. It is total yeah. and that no one should be left out of the human family. And my final is that it is so important that we understand that Africans, were refined and industrious citizens, architects, scholars, astrologers, farmers, priests. And it was these people whose life were interrupted. And it was the blessing of the continent, the sun, the earth, its natural resources that others wanted and told the story and shipped them throughout the world to cultivate all of the things that they were able to cultivate on the continent for thousands upon hundreds of thousands of years. And, and those are the kinds of stories that are important to share. And the only way they're going to be shared is when we control the narrative. And, and so, you know, that's what I tell my students, get involved and control the narrative, be a part of the change. Don't sit back and, and think that someone else is going to do it, that we, are rolling up our sleeves and we are sitting at the table to make sure that change happens. Sister Shabazz, I couldn't have said it myself better. That was amazing. Thank you for sharing us with your compassion, your passion, your knowledge, 
and your experience. This has been a truly fruitful conversation. Thank you so much, sister. I love you. I love you so much. And anything that I can do for you, um, I'm always a call away. I love you. God bless you. And may the Lord be always with you. Thank you. I accept it. I accept it. Thank you. And the same to you. God bless you. God bless your team. You have a phenomenal uh, team that work with you. And, you know, God bless you all. Eric Lerner, Caroline Pugh, Richie Rich. (laughs) God bless you guys. Thank you.